dedicated this weekend, we are beginning a brand new series where we are going to begin to uncover some of the lies that we have believed. And then we are going to open up God's word and be set free from those lies. And uh, many of you who are here in this room, uh, you believed a lot of lies, a lot of lies that you have, you've bought into. You didn't necessarily know that they were lies. If you knew that, you wouldn't bite into them in the first place. But what begins to happen is when we begin to believe those lies, it begins to alter our life. In fact, did you, did you know this? Once you believe a lie to be true, it can have the same power over you as if it were true, even though it's not. Did you know this? And once you believe a lie to be true, it changes the way that you live. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to give you just a couple of silly examples of lies that potentially you have believed. It doesn't necessarily have a big implication in your life. It won't be life-altering. But one of those lies could be uh, maybe your parents at one time or another, mom or dad, uh, in their effort to motivate you to eat carrots, they used this sentence. They said this, carrots will improve your eyesight. It's a lie. <laughs> that ain't true. Carrots won't improve your eyesight. That is a lie. Uh, and in fact, Here's what I found. I thought this was very interesting, and I wanted to share this with you today, that uh, that lie is rooted in World War II propaganda. Did you know that? Listen to this, that the British Army didn't want it to get out, that their pilot had radar on their air aircraft, but they needed some reason for the accuracy, and so they spread the word that their soldiers had great vision from eating so many carrots. <laughs> and you believe that lie? In fact, apparently one of the writers from Bugs Bunny cartoons had heard that this eating carriage would improve their eyesight as well from this whole World War II propaganda. And they believed it. And you know what they did? And they put it into their cartoons. And now millions of homes all across of America believe that carrots will improve your eyesight all because a bunny told them to. <laughs> and so you've been downing those bags of carrots, hoping that it would improve your little eyesight. You went to the eye doctor, and you're like, listen, I know I'm good. You know how they sit you down? They put those little big old, not little actually, big old goggles that sit on your nose, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, I know I got this. And then you get to the end of the exam, and you're like, oh, I'm good. I know I'm good. And then they look at you, and then they say to you, I'm sorry, ma'am, sir. Actually, you're going to have to wear bifocals. And you're like, that can't be true. I've been down in the carrots. It's all a lie. Or potentially, maybe your parents have told you this. You know, you go out and you swim and you go back and, you know, you're like, it's time to eat. But then you want to go back into the pool and you try to jump back in immediately, right? And somebody told you this lie. You can't jump back in immediately, right? You got to wait at least 30 minutes to an hour before you can jump back in because if you jump back in right after eating, you will probably get what? Cramps. See? That's a lie. And all of us, we bought into it. And even though I just told you that it is a lie, still, this afternoon, your kid's going to be like, hey, can I jump into the pool? And you know, after eating, you'll be like, nope, can't do it. Mm -mm. 
Now you can't do that. You can't. Well, why not? Because you're going to get cramps. And they're going to say, but I was sitting there right next to you today, mom, dad. And Pastor Jay said, it's a lie. So I can jump back in. It is. It's, it's a lie. And, and certain lies, by the way, are hard for us to recognize, especially when they are widely accepted. Would you agree with that? Certain lies are hard for us to recognize because we don't want to be the person that says this. No, I don't buy it. If everyone else buys it, then I got to buy it too. It has to be true, right? If everyone else says that carrots will make your eyesight good, then that's got to be true. So I'm not going to be the one person that says no. I don't buy that. Did you know this? The longer you believe a lie to be true, the more difficult it is to recognize that it isn't. It's not that big of a deal when we're talking about carrots, okay? But here is the question that I want you and myself. I've been wrestling through this myself this week. Way before I even stood up on this platform, God has been just working me over, okay? And here is a question that I want us to deal with this week is today is this. Is it possible that we have believed more significant lies that can have more significant implications in our life? Is that possible? We've accepted some things to be true that may not be true at all. And we have lived by those lies, and those lies potentially have changed our life story. In fact, it's one thing to buy into the lie that cares will improve your eyesight, but what if you bought into this lie? Maybe this lie right here. This lie that you will never be good enough. Or maybe, maybe this lie. You have made too many mistakes. Or what about this one? Things will never change. Or God doesn't really care about you. Or no one cares about you. You ever heard the lie before? Whispered to you? Or how about about this one? You might as well give up. You ever felt that before? Not only felt it, have you ever heard the enemy whisper that to you in your ear? You might as well give up. Or you will never be able to stop whatever that is. Or how about this one? You can stop whenever you want. Or no one will ever find out. It's okay. No one will ever find out. See, here's the thing. If we believe those lies, we give those lies tremendous power in our life. In fact, in John 10, 10, it says this, the thief, the enemy, he comes only to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. Some of you, if you had an opportunity to be able to hand uh, around the microphone, which you won't do that. But if we had the opportunity to do that, you would be able to, you have personal stories about where the enemy, he's come into your life. And he, you've experienced this verse where it says, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He has a way of doing that. In, in, in fact, one of the primary strategies that the enemy uses to get you and me is To buy into a lie because he knows that if we buy into a lie, it has tremendous power over our life. John chapter 8 verse 44 says this. There is no truth in him, in him, the enemy. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a what? A liar. And the father of lies. Let's break it down for you. Basically, what it's saying here is that whenever the enemy 
opens his mouth, the language that he speaks, and the only language that he knows to speak is lying. And in fact, you can say this way, the devil is a liar. He flips the truth. He is, as would be said through a spoken word, he is a master manipulator. He is a liar. And in this series, one of the things we want to do is we want to uncover some of the most popular lies that the enemy tries to feed us, and then we want to be set free by the principles that come from God's Word. We have a hard time seeing the truth when we have believed a lie for a long time. In fact, Jesus identifies himself as truth to his followers in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. It says this in the New Living Translation. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he said, You are truly my disciples, and if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth. And then it says this, and the what? The truth will do what? Set you free. The truth will set you free. Some of you, under the sound of my voice this morning, you are bound up. You are paralyzed. You cannot live in the present right now because you need to be set free by truth. Because you are all bound up by lies. And you believe those lies. We've entitled this series, Flip the Script, and we're so excited about it. And this is a phrase that is sometimes used in writing or in storytelling to tell a moment about a moment in a story that goes in a different direction than expected, where the plot was predictable and then the script got flipped. You've seen that before, right? You've seen it where the good guy becomes a bad guy and the bad guy becomes a good guy or the victim becomes the warrior or the frog becomes a prince. The script is flipped. And for some of us who are here This morning, that is under the sound of my voice, you so desperately need to flip the script that's in your life. For those of you who are here that's in relationships or you're married, maybe you've been reading from an old script year after year after year again, and maybe it sounds something like this. I have married the wrong person. Or my husband will never make me happy. My wife will never satisfy me. By believing those lies, we give those lies tremendous power over our life. You have to start telling yourself a different story. You know, sometimes you got to talk to yourself, even if people think you're crazy. You know what I mean? Sometimes we got to get into the discipline of, of talking to ourselves, of speaking truth over our lives. Some of you are like, I already talked to myself anyway, you know. Today, very briefly, I want to address one of the enemy's lies that he tries to feed us. Regardless of your ethnicity, your background, no matter what hood you're from, okay, your age from the oldest person in this room to the, from, to the youngest person that's in this room. I want you to engage me just for a moment. I want to ask you this. Have you ever heard the enemy whisper this lie to you? You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. He tells you a lie every day. He says you don't have the energy or you don't have the skill set. And if you're a parent here, you don't have the patience. You don't have the self-control. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the intellect. You don't have the creativity. And baby, you don't have the speaking skills. 
No one appreciates you anyway. You don't have what it takes. You don't have enough time left. And this lie may sound different, and it has different variations, and maybe it's come at you this way. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You ever heard the lie before? You're messing the kids up. You ever heard that before? The kids would be better off without you. Or you will never give birth to a child because God knows you would be a terrible parent. No one appreciates you anyway. You don't have what it takes. Or no matter how hard you try, it's not going to be good enough. And so you might as well just give up. You don't have what it takes. Hey, you ever heard the lie whispered to you before? Different variations. But you don't have what it takes is what the enemy can say to us. It's one of his most popular lies that he tries to feed us. And so you scroll down Facebook or Instagram and you see pictures and the enemy, he whispers to you as you're scrolling down Facebook and Instagram and he says this, he whispers to you, you will never be that creative. You will never be that fun. You're lame. You will never be that photogenic, right? You see that person that's on there, I mean, they have this crest smile, and you're like, oh, I'll never be that photogenic. Or you will never be that beautiful. You will never be that thoughtful, and you will never be that spiritual. You know that person that puts up their big old Bible, right? <laughs> Having coffee, I'm meeting with Jesus. Now, that's a beautiful picture, and you're like, oh, I'll never be that spiritual. The enemy is constantly handing us a script, and the script that he hands us in this script, you are never valuable. You are never capable. You are never qualified. You are never competent, and you are not appreciated. And the enemy, what he says is, listen, read this script over and over and over and over and over again, and if you and I were hanging out at Starbucks, and I would just to ask you, hey, you ever read from that script before? I think many of you would say, yes, I have. The very first lies that the enemy told the very first woman, whose name was Eve, he played on her insecurity. And by the way, the strategy is still the same. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, in the NIV version, it says this, now the serpent was more crafty, say crafty. He was more crafty. Some versions say the serpent, he was, he was subtle. Or he was sneaky. You ever, you ever been sneaky before? You're like, I don't want to say that. I'm in church, right? <laughs> I'll never forget it. Uh, growing up in the great state of Ohio. And uh, when I was younger, going to the store with my, my mom, I realized very quickly that even though she said she was going for a five-minute trip, it turned into five hours. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I said, I got to come up with my own agenda. Now, this is little Junior Jay, I want you to imagine, okay? He's just, you know, little me, still, got, still rocking the gap even back then, all right? And so while my mom is doing her thing, there was a, there was a store that was called Kroger's in Ohio. And, uh, and, and while she was doing her thing, I came up with my own agenda, right? And there was a section in the store that I absolutely loved. You say, Jay, what was it? Was it the candy? No, it wasn't the candy. You say, was it the ice cream? Nope. It was the grapes. <laughs> I love the grapes. And I don't know, I don't know about the grapes. 
here in Florida, but the grapes in Ohio, they talk to you. <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, hey, Jay, come over here. I said, you talking to me? He said, yeah, Jay, come on over here. And I would go over and I would down those grapes. Until one day, uh, there was this precious little lady. She saw me and connected the fact, that, oh, that that woman over there, that must be his mom, and this is the son. And so she told my mom, hey, ma'am, do you know that your son, he's over there just downing grapes? <laughs> my mom said, no, I didn't know, but I'm going to take care of it. Now, I don't know what that means in your house. <laughs> but in my house, <laughs> when my mom said, I'm going to take care of it, it's not a good thing. And she came over to me, and she's like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And, you know, you, try to, you can always justify disobedience when you try hard enough. I'm like, well, everything else in this store is wrapped up except for the grapes. <laughs> I was being sneaky. But do you know this? There's an enemy of your soul who was even more sneaky. The Bible says that the serpent was more crafty. You say, but that's how he was back in the beginning, though, with Eve. But can I tell you what? He hasn't changed. His strategy, it is still the same. And let's continue on in this verse. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, continue on, he said to the woman, did God really say? Stop right there. I want you to catch this because one of the ways that the enemy tries to come at you sideways is, is he will always try to get you to question the word of God. And so he pounces on Eve and he asks her, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And by the way, if the enemy can get you to question God's word, God's purpose, and God's will for you, which he will if he hasn't already, then he can fill that space with something else. And so he says, did God really say? God really say you shouldn't eat from it? And then in Genesis 3, verse 2 to 3, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees that's in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. That's what she says. And the enemy goes, <laughs> she doesn't really know the truth like that. And you know what he does? He flips it. She says, I'll die if I touch the fruit. And he flips it, and he says this in verses 4 through 5. He says, you will not certainly die. Now, let's just put it in our version. You know what he said? You ain't going to die. You, excuse me, I have my education. You are not going to die. You will not die. Come on, you're going to be good. He has a way of making, by the way, bad things look good, right? He has a way of twisting up our minds. Even when we are land full of good, we start to call what God calls good bad. And Eve gets all tripped up, and the enemy, he plays on her insecurity. And by the way, the enemy will always try to immobilize you and me by telling us lies that make you feel insecure. Did you know this, that men struggle with failure and inadequacy different than women do? You believe that? 
Uh, men tend to blame their circumstances. Uh, when men start to feel that they don't have what it takes, we often start to think it's because of other things that's out there. You say, how do you know that? Because I am a dude, I know. Where women tend to internalize it and they tend to blame themselves. I heard this study uh, about, uh, that was done at Cornell University with an engineering class. And when the class became difficult, the men and the women in the class, they responded differently to the challenge. So when the men started struggling in the class, you know what they started to think? And even said, they said this, the teacher is not a very good teacher. If the teacher, if the professor would have did a better job at teaching the material, I would have done better. That's what the men said in the room. But the women, you know what they said? They said this, man, I knew I shouldn't have taken this class. I knew I shouldn't have taken it. I knew I wouldn't be smart enough to take this. I don't have what it takes. Women tend to make their struggles and their failures more about themselves. And men tend to, tend to say this, it can't be me. It's got to be some other reason. It can't be me. I mean, the dudes are the kind of dudes like, when we go to Walmart, if we see a deal with some shorts that's on, you know, that's, on, that's for sale, we're like, oh, I'm going to get that. We're going to try them on. We get home. And we got this day we had figured out we're going to put these shorts on, like we put them on, and it doesn't fit, you know what I mean? Where I'm talking about where the button on the shorts are screaming for help. <laughs> and you know, and if it was, and it, with the dude, you know what we say? Man, you get what you pay for. They were cheap anyway, you know. It never dawns on us, and maybe we just gained some weight, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Men and women, we respond to challenges differently. I want to give you, though, a few ways that the enemy tries to play on our insecurity. I think one of the main ways that he tries to play on our insecurity is this. It's through constant comparison. Say that. Say constant comparison. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me good. We live in a culture in a time where we constantly compare ourselves with one another. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, don't compare yourself with others. And you're like, mm, sounds easy, but it's not. With the rise of social media, it's almost impossible to get out of this comparison trap, right? You check your social media just like I do multiple times a day. And when we do this, it's almost inevitable that we would get caught up in this comparison trap. There are great things about social media. I'm on it myself. But it is inevitable that when we are on it, we begin to struggle with comparison. Social media is a lot of people giving the best version of themselves. So I wonder, is it the best thing for us to give our minds and our hearts and our thinking to what's only the best version of people's selves? The highlight reels in people's lives. And yet, for most of us, if we were to calculate the time that is spent on social media, it's probably a lot in one day. Most of us, if we're honest, we would naturally, we just, we post the best version of ourselves. And it gives more weight when the enemy says things like this. You don't have what it takes. Social media can feel like a form of pornography where you are staring at this airbrushed version of other people's lives and it makes you feel insecure and discontent. 
thinking to yourself, man, compared to her life, my life stinks. You ever thought that before? Let's be honest. Or you start to say, man, compared to him, I'll never have muscles like that. Or I'll never get married. Or compared to them, my family is a mess. You don't know it took them five hours to take that picture. It looks so beautiful. The sun's setting there on the beach, you know what I mean? Got the little kids in the front smiling. You're like, man, if only I could get my kids to be like that. Took them five hours to get it, though. You know why? Because his mom is there like, it's got to be perfect. The kids are like, I don't want to smile. We're not leaving. <laughs> we are not leaving until you do. Even if it takes us all night, we aren't leaving until you do. You better smile. Five hours later, they smile. You get that picture. It goes out. And then you look at it, and, 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 and uh, you go, man, my family is a mess. It's jacked up. But it's a filterized version of that family. We need to guard our hearts. In Proverbs 4.23, it says this in the New Living Translation, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And can I say this to you? If you are wrestling with this lie right here, that you don't have what it takes, maybe, can I just encourage you? Maybe do something simple this week. Maybe, maybe you need to back off on your intake on social media. Maybe it would do you wonders if you just deleted social media for a little bit. I can tell you there's been times even in my own life, my wife and I, we've decided, you know what? We are going to back off of social media because it's consuming us. And can I tell you what I've found? It's been some of the sweetest times that we've had, first of all, connecting with each other and with Jesus. And so for some of you that are here, a practical thing is you just need to back off. Some of us, we need to flip the script because we continue to read the stories of other people's lives. That you can't live out your own life that God has planned for you. I used to run track. And there were times when I, would, I was just wondering, man, what's, what's going on with my other competitors? You know what I would do? I would look in the other lanes. And inevitably, you know what happened to me? I would get tripped up. And you know what? I think if we're honest that sometimes even in our own lives, you know what we do? We get caught up in this comparison trap and we look in other people's lane and we're wondering, man, what's happening over there? And what is person going over here? And God is saying, listen, I have a very unique and special plan for you. Stay in your lane. Stop worrying about what's going on with everybody else. You just be you. There's a, uh, a hip-hop artist. His name is Propaganda. And he says this, and it's grammatically incorrect, but it is filled with truth. He says this, be who you is because who you ain't ain't who you is. <laughs> be who you is because who you ain't ain't who you is. And some of you, you just need to be set free by the truth. You're caught up trying to be somebody else. At nighttime, you're looking in the mirror and you're going, man, who in the world am I? And Jesus, the whole time, he's saying, listen, be who you is. Because who you ain't ain't who you is. 
need to flip the script. Can I say this? Church can be a lot like social media, where everyone presents the best version of themselves. We walk in, we shake hands, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Family's great. Let's be honest, though. We're all broken. Starting with me first. We're all broken. We're all struggling in some way. Starting with me first. Sometimes you think with the person that has the microphone on that's speaking that that person must have it all together. My wife is here. She can tell you real quickly. Nah, he, he doesn't. He's a scrub. I don't know why you're laughing, because you are too. <laughs> We're all scrubs together. But if you can't be vulnerable and broken, you don't have a chance. If Jay Sanders can't be broken and vulnerable, I don't have a chance. If you can't be broken and vulnerable, you don't have a chance. Brene Brown says this, vulnerability, I love this. She says, it sounds like the truth and it feels like courage. It sounds like the truth and it feels like courage. And some of you, you are paralyzed. You cannot move forward in the present right now because you refuse to be vulnerable and broken. I feel certain that many of you, under the sound of my voice, you have bought into the lie that you don't have what it takes. And if that is the case, and can I tell you this? I bought into that same lie as well. I'm in the same boat with you where I need to remind myself of truth. But if you have bought into the lie, it is a downward spiral because you try to overcompensate. It starts with perfectionism. You, you say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Because you feel like you don't have what it takes, you want everything to be perfect. Now, can I ask you a question? Is it possible for everything to be perfect? No. But when we try to measure up to perfection, you know what ends up happening? The relationships that are around you, your marriage, your children that are in your family begins to pay the price, and so does your heart. There's perfectionism, and then when things don't work out the way that you want it to, you know the next thing that comes in? There's anger. You know why? You get angry because you're like, man, I'm not that perfect. I don't have what it takes. And then you have this guilt that starts to, man, creep its way into your life. And then you know what else happens? This is this downward spiral. Then there is fatigue that begins to come into your life. After you're angry long enough and guilty long enough, you know what happens? You become tired, exhausted. Some of you are like, man, I got a good night's sleep last night, but for some reason, I'm still restless. Could it be that you're struggling with fatigue in your life because you're trying to measure up with this perfection and you can't, and so you become angry and you start to experience guilt? Now you're just tired. You have fatigue going on in your life. And then you know what the, the next natural step is? Then there's this form of escaping. There's some emotional form of escaping. You put your attention on something where you're not going to feel less than. So you change your career. Or you get this new workout. Or you change your relationship. Or you cancel out your marriage and you say, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm get a divorce. Because I don't like feeling like I don't have what it takes. I'm going to try something else. 
The enemy knows that if you can believe this lie, that you don't have what it takes, he's got you. He can pounce on you. And you know what ends up happening? We end up broke, busted, and disgusted. But like most of the enemy lies, it has some truth to it. When you read, you don't have what it takes, that is true, but catch this, it's not the full truth. It is not the full truth because the full truth is this, that you don't have what it takes, but the whole truth is, in Jesus, you have everything you need to live out what he has called you to. In Jesus, you have everything that you need to live out what he has called you to. And for some of us, we need to change out the script from, you know what? I don't have what it takes, but in Christ, you know what? I am secure. I have everything that I need. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, and then we'll be finished. And this is the truth, by the way, that will set you free. It says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And I believe if my mom was here, she'd say it this way. So, baby, the next time the enemy comes at you sideways, and it's not if he does, it's just when he does. The next time that he comes at you sideways and he says to you, you don't have what it takes, you say back to him, you know what, I may not, but I know who does. The Amplified Version, it puts it this way in Philippians 4, 13, it says this, I have strength for all things, not just some things. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me, and I am ready for anything and equal to anything through who? Through him. Who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I know it. I know I don't have what it takes outside of myself, but you know what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So you put both hands on that verse. You flip the script. You hold on to that verse and, baby, don't let it go. Some of you on the inside, you're crumbling. And you need to be set free by this truth. That through Christ, you have everything you need. You are too weak. But in him, you are strong. You are too inconsistent, but his grace is sufficient. You hear me? You have messed up, but his mercies are new every single morning. He knows the real you, and he loves you more than you can imagine. Catch this. Right now, in this moment, you can take a deep breath. The pressure is off. And if you're feeling helpless, he wants to help you. If you're hurting, he wants to hold you. If you feel lost, he wants to guide you. If you feel overwhelmed, he wants to give you peace. And if you feel broken, he wants to heal you. 
And if you feel guilt because you have made some serious mistakes, he wants you in this moment, right now, to experience his grace. That's why there was a cross that he went to. He bore all of our sin and our shame on that cross. He went into that borrowed tomb. You know that tomb that he borrowed, right? And three days later, Scripture says, he resurrected from the grave. And he resurrected from the grave to set us free from these lies that the enemy would try to feed us. You have what it takes through Christ who gives you strength. My prayer is, is that this won't be just a moment that we have together, but even outside of this week, you would talk to yourself. As you're driving down the, down the road, heading to work, talk to yourself. It doesn't matter if people think you're crazy. You tell yourself, I have everything I need. As you're parenting your kids and it's getting kind of rough, you say, I have everything I need through Christ who gives me strength. When your marriage is fragile and it seems like it's broken apart and you just want to give up, you remind yourself, hey, through Christ, I have everything that I need. If you're a college student, maybe you're in a place and you feel like, you know what, man, I have messed up when it comes to my relationships. God wants you to experience his grace right now in this moment. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and all eyes closed, as we wrap up today, can I just ask you a few questions just real quickly? Did God speak to you this morning? How many of you under the sound of my voice would say, Jay, without a shadow of a doubt, God spoke to me this morning. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You say, God spoke to me, God spoke to me all over this room. Anybody else say, you know what, God spoke to me? How many of you would say this? How many of you would just be real and just be straight up and say, you know what, Jay? I have gotten caught up in the comparison trap, and I want to be set free. Jay, would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Even though your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. Can I tell you this? I've been there. I get it. Can I tell you this? You need to hear this down in your soul. God has a plan for your life. You be you. Embrace you. Scars and all. How many of you would say under the sound of my voice? Jay, I have been wrestling with the lie that I don't have what it takes. Jay, I need prayer. I want to be set free from that lie. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Jay, that's me. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We thank you for meeting us here in this place. We know you're here. We thank you for being near to us. And scripture reminds us that your nearness to us is for our good. And so, Father, thank you for being near. Thank you for being a very present help in the time of trouble. God, would you come right now and minister to our hearts those areas where we believe that we are 
inadequate, insecure. We don't have what it takes. Would you help us by your grace right now in this moment to begin to flip the script and believe with our whole heart that through you, we have everything you've called us to. Christ, you are enough for us. Remind us of this truth, not just now, but throughout the rest of this week. It is in the powerful name of Jesus we pray.